0: You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Subs.
1: It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas.
0: Shotgun, empty set, Herbert looking towards the end zone, throwers back of the end zone, it's batted up in the air and incomplete. Trayvon Merrick caught in front of the big tight end, Donald Parham, maybe should have had a pick at the back of the end zone. But it fell to the turf, and it'll be fourth and goal.
2: This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting
0: live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy Q. You just heard Trayvon Merrick with the pass break up in the end zone. That was a big play. Should have had an interception, but we realize he has that club on his hand and very hard to come away with the ball, even though he did get one later on in the game where he just kind of pinned it against his body and came up with the Raiders' first turnover of the season. According to Pro Football Focus, Trayvon Merrick was a ninety point six grade. Again, I don't end all be all is not pro football Focus, but kind of like to pass along what they have to say. So 90.6 is what Merrick was graded for his performance against the Chargers in week four action. Join us now on the phone lines as we kick off our number two of the show here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, is our good friend Adam Hill from the RJ and, of course, our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, Co-Field and Company. And, Adam, let's start with Trayvon Merrick. He only came away with one interception, probably should have had two, but what did you see from him? Does it look like he's starting to improve and get a little bit better on that back end?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's looked he's looked good. You know, last, the last couple of games, he's had some ups and downs. But, you know, I thought last, last game he was he was pretty good overall. Um, I thought he did his job. And I think, you know, it's it's kind of just maybe looking for bright spots. But I think that was one.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. And what about the defense in general, what they were able to do in the second half, shutting out the Chargers? Can they build off of that moving forward?
1: I don't know. It's, look, I, I don't want to <laughs> be too negative right. um, on things, but I might be going in that direction. Um I thought that was the Chargers. Like, to me, the the Chargers had so little respect, and you heard it after the game, they had so little respect for Aiden O'Connell that I think they were playing the game like they were up 100. Mm -hmm. Like, they stopped trying to score. They didn't think there was any reason to. I think they felt like the only way they could lose is if they turned the ball over and got silly and... Um, I don't think they had any belief that the Raiders could do anything offensively, so I think they just shut it down, and that was part of why the Raiders' defense looked a little better. Not fully. I mean, the Ra- you still have to make plays. You have to make tackles, which is something they haven't always done, but um, I-, I-, I, wanna, I don't want to credit the Raiders' defense too much for what I thought was a – um, going into a shell by the Chargers, both on offense and defense.
0: No, that's fair. It really is, and that's why we have you on the show to you know give your thoughts. You were there at the press box. You were there. You talked to the team afterwards, and then I got to credit you, man. Got on the earliest pl- flight you could find to get back to Vegas, and, and were there for McDaniel's presser, man. What time was your flight? Five thirty that morning.
1: Uh, five forty-five. Five forty-five. <laughs> that was a that was a rough one. That was yeah. not good. Uh, <laughs> but it is that is you know it's it's a running thing that I am, uh, I try to be as late to the airport as possible in every situation. I don't like sitting around airports. Uh, so it helps in that scenario where you're not too panicked, you know, when you're walking into LAX at, like, 517, 518 for a 545 flight. Yeah, that's stressful.
0: I'm already stressed just yeah. hearing you say that. But you made it yeah. to your credit. Yeah. You did make it. Always so what, <laughs> what about Tyree Wilson? What did you see from him? He's a guy that at some point has got to be that, that bookend to Max Crosby. Well, he made a really nice tackle in the run game and
1: he got his first pass rush win uh of the season. I feel yeah.
2: like,
1: those are good things, right? I mean, it, it's something. It you have to find something right now. It's it's been a lot of bad for right. Tyree and to find those little rays of positive positivity I think are kind of important as you're trying to build up a player. Look, it's it's not all his fault. And there's there's a couple other guys that, you know, didn't play well that it's not all their fault that we're getting into, but um you know, Tyree Wilson, the plan was not for him to be playing this much and to be relied on this much. I mean, this is you know, this is a job that Chandler Jones was supposed to have and Tyree was supposed to grow into and they understood when they drafted him that he was hurt and wasn't gonna be able to have an off season. And the, I don't think anybody when they drafted him believed that the first four games of the season they were gonna be counting on him to play significant snaps opposite Max Crosby, but that's the situation they've been thrown into.
0: Right, exactly. And, again, Adam Hill is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920, unnecessary roughness. That leads me to my next question, and the question that I opened up the show with. Randy Gregory is getting released in Denver. Should the inter- Raiders be interested? Stop. <laughs> I'm just asking. They need pass why? rush help. They need pass rush help. Sure. sure. Um, <laughs> why?
1: I mean, to, like, you know my thoughts on this season. It's To me, it's more about development anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know why you why you would take – again, I don't think Tyree Wilson is ready, but I think he's going to be more ready playing snaps than he is sitting and watching. Right. Um, and so I, I just think, look, throw him out there, let him continue to get beat by linemen and try to figure it out. And if he does, then you have a really talented player that could figure it out. And if he doesn't figure it out, then, you know, you made another draft mistake. But, I, you know, it's too early to say that. Right. But I think you have to you have to you know let him keep swimming and see, even if he's even if he looks like he's swimming upstream and not able to float right now, like let him let him keep trying it.
0: No, I'm good with that as well, and that's what most of Raider Nation has said as well. They said, hey, you know, just just let the young guys go out there and see what they got, including Malcolm Coos. What have you seen from Malcolm?
1: Actually, I think he's been pretty good. I think there's you know again, um, I know it. People hate hate some of the new wave thinking, but. Um, pressures and, and pass rush wins are much more important than sacks in the long run. Um, and I know people hate that. They don't like to hear it, but it's true. It's much more indicative of where you are as a player and much more predictive of how you're going to be in the future. And I think Malcolm Coots has done a pretty good job winning some, winning some battles, getting some, getting some pressure, um, getting close. And he hasn't got there. Uh, it's been a while since you know, we've, seen him, we've seen him get a sack. But um, he's, he's close, and, and I think he's, he's getting to the point where it's, they're going to come.
0: Again, Adam Hills, our guest here on radio Nation Radio nine twenty, unnecessary roughness. So, what about Jerry Tillery and the hit on Justin Herbert on the sidelines?
1: Sorry, you cut out there real quick. I apologize. Oh, what
0: what what about Jerry Tillery and the and the hit on the sidelines with Justin Herbert?
1: What is it about SoFi Stadium and Jerry Tiller? <laughs> right, like, there's just something about that place. And obviously, he you know he he played there and he was released and. Uh, got out of there. Apparently there's some, you know, some history uh, between Tillery and some of the offensive players on the Chargers, including Justin Herbert. And um, that's, I think why, I mean, you would have seen a reaction anyway, but I think that's why you saw an even stronger reaction than maybe you would have expected because um, that is nothing new. That is an old simmering thing um, that, you know, we saw a very strong reaction from the Chargers and rightfully so, like it was a ridiculous hit. It was right. just, it was egregious in every way. Um, really you know, right away, as soon as he hit him, I said, all right, he's got to get kicked out. And then he did. And I know Josh McDaniels didn't seem happy about that, but you've gotta, you got to do that. Like, you can't let that stand. Then what happens after that? What's the next step if you don't kick him out? You know, who takes the next shot and how bad does that get? And then who, who retaliates from there and escalates things? Like, you can't allow those things to happen.
0: No, no, you can't. And that was just one of those. I couldn't believe. I could believe that he did it, but I couldn't believe that he did it, if you know what I mean. Let's flip over to well, the I- offense.
1: I saw, him, I saw him coming from so far away. Like, you're sitting in the press box like, man, he's, cu- wait, he's not slowing weight. Uh, is he going to hit him? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you just saw it coming from so far away, and I couldn't believe he followed through with it.
0: Right. No, I, I, I promise you, even sitting at home, I was thinking the same thing. Like, what in the world? You saw Max's reaction. You know, he threw his hands up. Like, when in the hell? What are we doing? It was a stupid play. And not the words he used, but that was basically what he said, stupid play yeah. by yeah. Jerry Tillery. What would you think about Aiden O'Connell, right? What would you think about his first start? Do you any other questions? <laughs> I know you're not a big Aiden O'Connell guy, so I just, you know, I thought I'd ask.
1: Um, look, preseason and regular season are different. I think yeah. I've, I've told you, I've said that to you and the listeners a thousand times, and nobody yeah. wanted to believe it. Um, it is. Uh, and we saw what happens when somebody's not ready. And again, that's what I was referencing earlier when I said, look, Tyree Wilson is very early. Like let's not abandon, it. let's not give up. Nobody's saying Aiden O'Connell is never going to be a good quarterback. Nobody's saying he doesn't have potential to be a good player. Like nobody's saying any of those things. Aiden O'Connell is nowhere close to ready to play NFL football right now. He's just not. Um there's, you know, part part of that is why he wasn't the third, you know, why he wasn't the second quarterback early on. I get, you know, their thought process, uh which was, hey, if, if he comes in in the middle of a game, they'd rather have Bobby Ho- or they'd rather have Brian Hoyer who has done that You know, many times in his career, come in the middle of the game, not have starter reps during the week, and just be able to come in and manage things for a game. And if you have a whole week to prepare, then you go with the rookie and see what he can do with, with more reps and more preparation. And um, that makes sense to me. Like I get why. I know a lot of people were like, why was he third? And then all of a sudden he's first. That's why. Like It's a different situation to start a game than it is to come in in the middle of it. So I get that. But uh, we saw it. And and here's the other thing. I'll, I'll really defend the offensive line here. A lot of people are freaking out that the offensive line had a bad game. I don't think they did. I mean, I've watched the film 3 times now. I I think the offensive line was fine. Like the majority, if not all of, that, I think maybe one. The majority of those sacks were on Aiden O'Connell. Like that's him sitting sitting in the backfield processing way too long, going through his progressions, not not having that sense of urgency. That comes with time. Like that's yeah. that's a guy who hasn't played at this level, who hasn't seen NFL defenses that have that are schemed to stop him. Like in preseason it's very different. Um he has a long, long way to go. And we saw that. And I think, you know, if anything, it, it tells us the people that said, Hey, let's just cut ties with Jimmy G let's, let's start Aiden O'Connell and see where he goes. We, he was so good in the preseason. I, I hope we don't hear that again. I think you, you've got your answer to that. Aiden O'Connell is not ready. Um, and, and I, I don't know. I don't know if they had the decision to make over again, that they would go with Aiden O'Connell. I think they might actually you know, put Hoyer out there and not ruin O'Connell's confidence if they were, if they did that. But he wasn't ready and we saw that and, and, you know, he took a bunch of sacks that were on him and, you know, he'll learn from it, I hope. And um, I think for the Raiders sake, you hope you don't have to see him again this season. Uh, but if you do, I I assume it'll be a little bit better in terms of processing and understanding defenses and reading things and knowing when you have to check down and those sorts of things. But um, there were some some mistakes where you just look at it and say, man, that is, that is a rookie quarterback out there that is not ready to play.
0: You know, all last week I kept saying that I thought Brian Hoyer should get to start if it was going to be a one-day thing, one-game thing, right? And then later on in the season you can get Aiden O'Connell out there to see what the rookies got. But then they started Aiden O'Connell, so I was like, okay. And now I want to see what else he could do, even though I'm with you. He clearly is not ready, but he's going to need reps at some point in the season. But you're, what are you thinking, maybe week 13, 14, 15, if the season's not going the way the Raiders want it to?
1: Well, if the season's not going the way the Raiders wanted to, like I mean, and I, I don't know what that is at this point. Um, who knows <laughs> I mean, are they, are they right now saying, okay, it's over, we're right. thinking about next year, or are they still thinking that they can make a run? Because look, they can. like yeah. the rest of the AFC, the teams that we thought were going to be three and one, four and oh now are not. so they're like it's still open, like even at one and three, we've got two home games in a row, you can get back to three and three, all of a sudden right back in the mix. Um, if that is still the goal then you obviously don't want to see Aiden O'Connell out there. But at some point, if you do not have a playoff season and don't have a playoff team and you're not going to be there, you do have to see what Aiden O'Connell has. Because there are a lot of quarterbacks available in the draft. you have to find out if this guy has any chance of being the quarterback of the future. And if he does, then you can try to figure things out around there. And if he doesn't, then you're going to have to be in the quarterback sweepstake. And so at, at some point, you do have to play him some more and find out if he improves at all, if he figures it out at all. Um, I, just, I just don't think that should be for a while.
0: Right. I agree. No, I was I was right there with you, man. I was saying that all last week, and a lot of Raider Nation didn't want to hear it, but, you know, here we are. So it's week five, and the Green Bay Packers coming to town on Monday Night Football. The question I threw out there yesterday, Adam, was if the Raiders are going to turn this thing around, as you mentioned, they still can, what do you think they need to do to be able to turn this thing around? I mean, they got to run the ball a
1: little bit, and I hate saying that because I'm not a run-the-ball guy, but that's how, this, that's how this offense is constructed. Um, but I think to do that, they do have to – They do have to back teams off. I mean, they do have to hit some deep balls in order to loosen up the box a little because we've seen the only time they really have had success running the ball has been when they have loosened up teams with a couple of shots down the field or late in the game when they're like a prevent situation. Um, Then you see it open up because I think against the lighter boxes, they can run it. So they got to do that, Um, and they've got to force turnovers. I mean, that was such a a talking point this offseason. It's all anybody talked about around that building – creating chaos creating disruption causing turnovers and you just haven't seen it at all I mean Marcus Peters dropped a a sure pick six and mentioned Trevor Merrick was very close to getting one last week um and he did get the one later but um yeah I I think that they they need to do those things I mean there's there's a lot of things they have to do obviously but I think it starts there
0: what do you expect uh to go down on Monday night at Allegiant Stadium What, what are you expecting from the Packers and how do you think the Raiders uh you know go up against them I, mean, I
1: actually think it's a, it's a winnable game, right? I mean, the, the, you know, the points spread will tell you it's a very, very narrow uh, favorite for the Packers. Um, they are they are a good team. They're not a great team. They're a beatable team, and I think uh, the way the Raiders are right now, kind of in desperation mode. And Devontae Adams said, "Hey, we need to get a couple wins before we're in complete desperation mode and must win the rest of the season." Um, we we know that like they can't get to that situation, so uh, they ha- it's time to make a last stand. These two home games in a row. That's their stand. If they're 1-5, the uh, season's over. Like, yeah. There's no question. Yeah. Um, so so they've, they've got to win. I think they've got to win both games. They definitely have to win at least one, but I think they have to win both to, to kind of salvage you know, the second half-ish of the season, second, mm-hmm. the second two-thirds of the season. Um, so this is, this is where they have to do it. They have to come together. They have to win two games in six days, and it starts Monday, and I think they have a chance to do that.
0: I'm I'm good I'm good with that I I like that you know if they they win the two games that you're talking about they square it up at three and it's a different kind of season but you're right if they drop to one in five then whoa buddy <laughs> whoa buddy the radio is going to be on fire for real <laughs> so there's that Adam fantastic stuff my man what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for.
1: Uh, a lot of storylines this week, Q. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be talking to Daniel Carlson, whose brother Anders is the kicker. Yep. Rich Basacchia back in town, and of course Devonta Adams against his old team, the Packers. So plenty of t- plenty to talk about and write about in the review journal.
0: You know, Adam, let me ask you this real quick because you mentioned Rich Bisaccia. Why in the hell did the Raiders never use Keyshawn Nixon in the kick return game?
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a tremendous question. <laughs> um, it was you know those same guys were around and we've seen what he's able to do, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes guys just figure it out, and maybe he figured it out.
0: I guess, I guess. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I know they didn't even start yeah. using Keyshawn there, but, man, he could yep. have been a spark that the Raiders needed for sure. Adam, great stuff, man. Thanks so much. I definitely appreciate you, brother. Sounds good. I'll talk to you. All right, my man, there he goes. Adam Hill from the RJ and our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, co company, he does a fantastic job with both, and we definitely appreciate him. And, yeah, there's a lot of storylines in this game on Monday, right? Rich Basaccia coming back to Vegas. Keyshawn Nixon coming back to Vegas. Rasul uh, Douglas, remember him coming back to Vegas. He was there in camp with the Raiders for a while. He's been uh, a nice little uh, corner for Green Bay. Obviously, Devontae going up against his former team. I mean, there's there's a lot of storylines to, to, uh, to go around for this Monday night football game. And uh, at the end of the day, it's about just win, baby, right? The Raiders have one win on the season. They're one and three. The Packers are two and two. I think Adam's onto something. You win the next two games, all of a sudden you're squared up at three, and you're onto something. You lose the next two games. Huh. Oh, man! <laughs> Tell you what, it's gonna be it's gonna be some rough sledding. That's for sure. But many thanks to Adam. I do appreciate him. Uh, let's go to the text line real quick at six nine one eight seven keyword RNR. Got a ton of correction. All right, ton of uh, ton of text that I want to get to. Excuse me, I don't not corrections. <laughs> Let me see. This one's from Keegan in Vancouver. What up, Q? It's Keegan. Uh, Randy Gregory didn't have production in Denver, but they didn't have Mad Max to take all the attention away. For the right price, they should bring him in. Uh, let's see. Got another one. Um, oh, Trey in Kansas City is talking about the right way to get things done. The right way is to draft well, which we definitely have not. See, that's the thing, right? I mean, the the draft is a great way to go about handling your business if you get the right. The right players, right? If you, if you get the right ingredients, then you're good to go. If you don't, well, then it's just about the same as going and, and signing a big-time free agent that doesn't pan out, as the Raiders are very familiar with that as well. Uh, this Texas from the 209AQ. Elliott from the 805 here. Everyone is looking for a one-year fix. Look at the New York Giants and Dayball. Had a great year last year, but not looking so hot. Like, uh, like it or not, Ziggs and McDaniel are building a sustainable franchise. Next year begins the perennial playoff runs. This year, wild card at best. Uh let's see. 805 Raider. No, I don't believe Gregory is any better than Koontz right now and we need to develop Wilson to give him reps. That's 805 Raider. And yeah, I'm uh I- I'm with you. I'm uh, I- I'm with you on that one. You know, it just like Adam was saying, it makes more sense to allow Tyree to get as many reps as possible and just trying to kind of, you know, build up his- himself and-, and get into who he needs to be. And it's not going to be an instant instant fix. And look, Grant Randy Gregory Probably isn't an instant fix either, right? I mean, he has had very little production with Denver. Uh, so you're looking at, what, 10 games he played in and at a, top, at a maximum of 21, total of 21 games he could have played in. He didn't. Three total sacks. I mean, it's just it's not a whole lot of, of production there at all for Randy Gregory. But, again, like I mentioned, uh, pass rushers don't become available all the time. Uh, Big Dub Raider said, nah, Q, y'all said Gregory would be a good fit. LOL, just kidding. Big no on Gregory, that's, and he said go Raiders at the end. I like how he said that. And, uh, yeah, y'all, 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 that's, that's what we say around here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Well, we know that there's no real compliment to Mad Max, right? We know how great Mad Max is. He is fantastic. We know he's going to give maximum effort all the time. Uh, we were talking earlier with Mike Wall, former NFL offensive lineman, and he said, hey, I think – I think that uh, Max Crosby should be the leader in the clubhouse right now for Defensive Player of the Year. He's got four sacks, but he's got a ton of pressures, and he's all over the field getting after the the, the runner, getting after the passer, just doing everything he can. He's just flying around as you would expect from Mad Max Crosby. Well, one of his biggest fans is Brian Baldinger. He loves to have his Baldy breakdowns when it comes to Mad Max. Now, remember, when you listen to what we have for you, He's always breaking down film, so there's a couple moments here and there where you probably won't exactly know what play he's talking about, but for the most part, really great stuff from Brian Balding or breaking down Mad Max Crosby or what he brings to the table and what he brought to the table week four against the Chargers.
3: Man, I love watching the Chargers and the Raiders play. I know it's going to be highly contested. Max Crosby, third play of the game, the wicked spin. And all he's trying to do is just have a little coffee clutch with Justin Herbert. Because he's going to see him a lot in this game. He lined up on both sides. Wide nine. Ball's on one hash. Max is on the other hash. Like, yes, there's a, a flag being thrown for defense of all sides here. But it's not going to stop Max from getting a nice run. A nice condor swipe right there at the ball. Getting it out of Justin Herbert's hands. That's not going to stop. And then, honestly, this was like a master class in swimming. Swimming one player after another. Like, play after play. Like, you watch it right here, and you go, here's the swim. Bam. But it's not just Michael Phelps swimming. It's like Mary Lou Retton. Like, who ends up in that position right there? Like, a handstand chasing after the quarterback. Like, I'm not sure how that quarterback got away from him, but it forces a lot of errant throws. And then, you get this. Like, The run game, like, nobody can block him. Like, that looks like he should be blocked. How does he get out of there? Like, it is like a full metal jacket right here. Escape, and then bam, the ear hole on Joshua Kelly. Here we go. Like, this sack right here of Max, like, he loves getting to Justin Herbert. Like, this sack, it's just this second and seven, it becomes third and 15. becomes harder to score. Here it is, Max. Justin Herbert's like, this Max Crosby, like, he's my worst nightmare. And Max knows he's a big old horse to get down. He just needs a little bit of help. But he'll get him down, you bet. Because there's a celebration that comes after those sacks. Those things aren't easy to get. All right, let's go. Let's just keep moving. Because he played all 65 snaps. There's three tight ends all assigned to block him. And let's play. Boom, 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 boom. Like a Ginsu knife, just cutting through every and makes the tackle. Oh, this is a good game to watch. Like, it's it's just a mastery class. Like, that swimming lessons of Michael Phelps. Like, let me go inside here. And let me just swim them all. And I'll look at the charge. Whew. Let me just get this guy down. And then somebody falls on his ankle right there. He's like, ow. All right. Remember this play right here. Because this is A goal line stand, Justin Herbert goes up and over the top. And Max does a condor leap to meet him. Doesn't quite keep him out of the end zone. He tries. Doesn't quite keep him out of the end zone. But since he couldn't keep him out of the end zone, he thought he'd put Herbert down for a little nap right here because that's what this is off this twist on. Let's put Herbie down for a nice little afternoon nap. Nice and gentle right there. Put him on a pillow because we're going to set it up for this right here like this right here, all the Raiders want, all Max wants, give the offense one more shot, one more shot on this tush-push right here. If we can just stop him, bam, and he's right on top of it. And then it's just the joy and the pleasure of taking Herbert back and not letting him get in that yard. Everybody got their fists in the air. It's the offense's ball. They got him one more chance. Like it's not going to be over yet until he gets him down to the ground, going backwards. That's a great feeling. That right there is a great feeling. Got one more stop. One more chance for the offense. What a day for Max. Mastery. Mastery of this sport in progress.
0: Brian Baldinger, he was one of the first that was all over Mad Max Crosby. He gave him the condor. Nickname. It's obviously stuck, and he has been a fan for a very long time. And it's so funny. I love those kind of sessions. Even when you're not looking at the film, just hearing his breakdowns, and and this is just in my head at least, I swear I could see the play. I swear I could see every play just because of the description. And plus, you know the energy and what Max Crosby brings to the table. Plus, watching the game, we obviously can get a good idea of what play he's talking about here and there. But, man, just hearing that description and that – that energy and that want to from Max Crosby really helps you appreciate him more and more, especially when you hear someone from the outside of the organization you know, that covers the whole NFL like a glove talk about Max Crosby the way that they do. So uh, that, I thought that that was really cool. Definitely wanted to make sure I brought that to the table and share as well couple more texts that I want to get to, and then we'll take a break and get to Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk and talk all things NFL. Uh, This one's from Sir Whiskey Ray. (laughs) This is a nice, simple, right-to-the-point text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q, on today's topic, bringing in Randy Gregory, no. It's a hard no. Very simple. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. It doesn't get any more simple than that. Uh, this was from the 707. Yes, you absolutely give Gregory a call at least to fill a small void. Maybe mostly first down against the run. He still has some dog left in him. He was barking with the Raiders week one. Uh, this was from the 805. I don't mind picking up the phone and checking on Gregory, but the Raiders do need, uh, but the Raiders don't need any more players that have drama. There's a good point there. Uh, you don't want to have any kind of drama behind uh, the pickup of one Grandy Gregory. And again, they might not at all at all have any kind of interest, they may just do what a lot of people have suggested. Just roll with the young guys and see what they have, right? Let Malcolm Coons continue to develop and let Tyree Wilson continue to develop. This is their time to shine, go out there and do it. And I'm okay with it if that is what decision they decide to go with. If they decide they want to pick up the phone and, and at least see what, what you know Gregory has in, in the tank, maybe you know kick the tires on him, bring him in for a workout, that's cool too. Uh, whatever they're doing, whatever they need to do, and I know all GMs, the one thing I do know for a fact is all GMs make sure that they do not leave an, any stone unturned. They make sure that they, they exhaust all options as they're trying to build up the team. So, uh, you know, I, I would be shocked if the conversation of Randy Gregory hasn't at least crossed the crossed the halls uh, at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. Again, not saying that they're going to pick up the phone and bring him in for a workout, but I'm sure that conversation has at least been had, uh, if, if not now, sooner rather than later. Uh, one more text from Hardcore Raider that will take a break. O'Connell didn't have a great game, but he gives us something that Jimmy G does not. That's the deep ball. Teams are stacking the box and playing closer to the line of scrimmage because no teams are afraid of Jimmy throwing a deep ball. It's a huge weakness and disadvantage. We need a deep threat. That's from Hardcore Raider, and that's kind of similar to what uh, Adam Hill was saying when he's saying that, you know, teams aren't, aren't, uh, aren't going to respect the deep ball as long as they don't use it. So they've got to be able to at least show it and at least test a, a couple shots down the field and connect on a couple to know that, okay, there is there is a threat that they're going to make that happen. Hardcore, thanks for the text. I do appreciate you. 3.26 is the time. When we come back, Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk. She'll join the show. We'll talk all things NFL. We'll start off with Randy Gregory. This is Red Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta subs Make sure you check out Porta subs six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread. Bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game Day 6 foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at PortaSubs.com.
2: They are, right now, probably the most likely team to uh, go in the Super Bowl. But in order for them to get there, they've got to go by us, hopefully two times, if that's the way it falls in the playoffs, and we're in the playoffs, of course. You're playing the best. You don't need the game to tell you that you're playing the best, but you need the game to show you how you stack up against the best.
4: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q,
0: broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones right there talking about the 49ers. Could be the best team in the in NFL, but they've got to go through the Cowboys. they got to go through the Cowboys this weekend, right? This is going to be a fun game upcoming this weekend, Week 5 action, Cowboys and the 49ers. Joining us now on the phone lines from Pro Football Talk is the Hall of Famer, Shereen Williams. And, Shereen, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you. And how exciting and how much are we going to learn about these two teams this upcoming weekend, Cowboys and 49ers?
4: Yeah, I think you learn a bunch about them. You know, I think if any of us were ranking the teams in the NFC, there's probably four teams you look at right now that have a shot to win the Super Bowl, and two of them are matching up. The first time this year we've seen two of these teams, two of the top four, match up. So I think it's going to be a really fun game, and I think it's going to establish, um, could establish, who's going to get home field advantage. I mean, obviously you get the edge in head-to-head if you, whichever team, comes out of this with a win, but just from the momentum and confidence and all those things. I think personally it's a more important game for the Cowboys simply because how the last two postseasons have ended mm-hmm. with the loss of the 49ers. They they spent much of their offseason figuring out how to beat the 49ers, a lot of the moves they make They made this off season were intended to beat the 49ers, so they're going to get a good gauge to where exactly they are having having – those thoughts in their minds this offseason to catch the 49ers. They'll, they'll realize, A, we've either caught up to them uh, and passed them, or B, you know, we're still behind them. We've still got to figure out a way to beat them. And we're not going to add anybody, but we got to figure out something scheme-wise of a way to beat them. And, of course, we're going to have there's a lot more football to be played, so we're going to have a lot of injuries between now and the postseason. But this is going to be a good gauge to see where we are in the NFC.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it. You mentioned injuries. We found out about Trayvon Diggs, and he tore his ACL, so he's obviously out for the season for the Cowboys. They do have depth in the secondary, but how big of a blow is a guy that can turn the ball over and create instant offense for the Cowboys?
4: Yeah, obviously it's huge. Anytime you lose a player of his caliber, an all-pro player, led the NFL in interceptions two years ago with 11, I just think that's a, a big loss. They are fortunate in that they do have depth at that position. You saw Deron Bland do what he did with two interceptions on Sunday, and and that just shows you how much depth they have at that position. And I said before last week that, look, the Cowboys are, this is before the the Arizona game, the Cowboys are really good, but they're going to have some injuries. And the question always for any team every year, if you're really good, you're going to have injuries. The question is, what position is it? What player is it? How much depth do you have at that position? And they're very fortunate that their first really big injury uh, of this season was at a position where they do have good depth. You don't replace an all-pro. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Bland is is big. He's not. But they have depth there to survive that injury. If you lose a Dak Prescott, a Micah Parsons, who today, by the way, was limited in practice with a knee injury, if you lose one of those type of guys, there's two, three, four guys, if you lose, your season is sunk, and they Diggs is not that guy. Right.
0: No, there's no doubt, and they do have depth in the secondary with the Dallas Cowboys. And, Shereen, earlier today we found out about former Cowboy Randy Gregory being released in Denver, and he just signed a five-year, $70 million deal, only had three sacks, only played in 10 out of 21 possible games. I know Dallas had interest in bringing him back before he officially signed with Denver. Any chance he goes back to Dallas now?
4: Well, we'll see. They actually haven't released him. They aren't going to release him for the next 24, 48 hours. This is a precursor to we're trying to trade him. We'll take yeah. anything for him, seventh-round pick, whatever. I don't think anybody trades for him because I don't think anybody wants that contract. Right. So I think he is probably, you're correct, you're on the right path. But I think the Cowboys are so deep with their pass rush at, at this point. I don't see him signing him. Um, and I know they really liked him. They left on he left on bad terms with them. You know, they had a disagreement over the contract and was what was or wasn't in it. Um, I don't see him coming back here simply because I think they're really good um, with their pass rushes. They're very comfortable with where they are. Again, a position they have a lot of depth. So I just don't see that happening. I think he'll go to some team where he has a chance to play a lot. Uh, and really help that, a team that needs a, a pass rusher, and I don't think Dallas is that team right now.
0: Shereen Williams is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness kind of scatter shooting across the NFL. We also heard about a trade, right, with J.C. Jackson leaving the Chargers and headed back to yeah. New England where he was really good. Obviously it didn't work out with him in L.A. with the Chargers, but how many times do you see a player leave New England and just to return to New England after signing a big contract somewhere else?
4: Yeah, we've seen it a few times now with guys going back there. And, you know, some guys seem to flourish under Bill Belichick and they go elsewhere and it doesn't work out. So note to anyone with the Patriots, be careful uh, before you leave there. Make sure it's not the team. We've seen it with other teams too, but the Patriots, you're right, just seem to be a team where guys go back there um, after having been successful and then they go somewhere else and not quite so successful and they end up going back there to to play under Bill Belichick. And I think he'll be good in in New England. I think he'll be better than he was with the Chargers. Of course, he can't be any worse. He was not good with the Chargers. That was a terrible signing. They cut their losses and and got rid of him, and it was probably the right move um, going forward for them. But just a terrible signing.
0: You know, and it happens with coordinators and coaches as well, right? I mean, guys leave New yeah. England, and look, the Raiders have one or a couple of them in Josh McDaniels, and they're still trying to prove themselves. But what is it about that New England umbrella that things are just different when they're there in New England?
4: Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to Bill Belichick, who, by the way, I think is under a lot of pressure now to, mm-hmm. to, to win. Um, that was the worst loss in his career on Sunday most lopsided when they lost 38-3 to to the Cowboys. And, you know, here we go. There's a chance they're not, probably not. I think if we started writing out our AFC playoff teams, they're not going to be one of the teams we're going to put there. They don't make the playoffs. I think there's a good chance that the Patriots and Bill Belichick will come to some sort of agreement, and Bill Belichick will either move on to another team or retire. I don't see him retiring. So he could be somewhere else next year, just like Tom Brady left. I think there's a chance that Bill Belichick does the same. But it is that Bill Belichick culture that they've developed that that guys want to go back there who've been there, who've been successful there. And if they go somewhere else and don't succeed, you're right. We saw it with Josh McDaniels, and I assume if he's fired by the Raiders, that's a place he'll go back to. And he'll probably do very, very well. He was a really good offensive coordinator for the Patriots, and I think they miss him. Uh, and he, I think he misses the Patriots right now. So, you know, that's a place you could see him go back and maybe even go back as head coach. Who knows how all this works out. But I do think there's a lot of pressure under Bill Belichick right now. Um, and I think he probably feels it a little bit. First time in his career in New England that, that he is under pressure to win.
0: Again, we're talking with Shereen Williams here on Radio Nation Radio 920. How about C.J. Stroud, the Texans, uh, rookie head coach D'Amico Ryans, what they've been able to do? I know it's early in the season. They're only 2-2, two and two, but C.J. Stroud looks the part, and D'Amico Ryans really looks the part of a really good head coach.
4: You know, I've had all four of their games so far as, as games I've had to cover, and, and they've looked terrific, and he's looked terrific. This is a team that's just turned it around. If I had to say a favorite, For Coach of the Year right now, it's D'Amico Ryans. No question about that. I have a vote for that. I mean, we're a long way from the end. I get it. But you look at how many games this team's won over the last three years when they went, you know, one and done head coaches. Um, And it's just amazing what D'Amico Ryans has done. And they obviously picked the right quarterback. He's looked the part, I think list the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, he may not be 10, but he's going to be right there in that conversation for 10 or 11, 12. I mean, he's played really well, and he's he's played well. What people may not realize, he's played well behind a makeshift offensive line. Mm -hmm. They've had five, six offensive linemen who've missed games this season. They've not had their starting five the whole entire year. So the, the offensive line has not been good, and yet he's been good, and the offense has been good. What a job they've done down in Houston. And I think this is a team you're going to look for in the next couple of years to be contenders in the AFC. Tough in the AFC, we all know that. Yeah. But I really think they're building something.
0: You know, and C.J. Stroud, Shereen, before the he was drafted by Houston, the conversation was, well, the S2 scores weren't right. He's not smart enough right. to play the quarterback position. And he's kind of throwing that out the window, like, yeah, that didn't matter. I'm a quarterback. And that's what he told me when we were in Kansas City right before he got selected.
4: Yeah, you're exactly right. That, that is what it is. That's just stupid. And you, you watch film and you see what these guys do in college. And if they can play in college, more than likely they're going to be able to play in the NFL. Yes, it's a different game. But I just think at the quarterback position, if they've been successful in college, they have a chance to be successful in the NFL. I think you saw it with him. I saw it with him. And, you know, I talked to scouts. I talked to three or four scouts before the draft. They all told me they had C.J. Stroud number one on their board that he was the best quarterback in this draft and you know what they were they were right as of right now they were right i realize we're four games into careers but <laughs> he just absolutely looks the part the lights aren't too big he's played great he's thrown touchdown pass. i mean he's thrown the ball down the field This hasn't been a dink and dunk type thing despite their offensive line problems he's thrown the ball down the field and he, you know he's found targets and Nico Collins and Tank Dale, and and they're just they're they're fun to watch. Um, so I get them again this week, and I'm really and truly looking forward to seeing the Texas play. And I think they got a chance now to go three and two. And never thought I'd be saying that when you're coming into the year. But he's played so well that he's going to be the runaway winner for offensive of player of the year. Uh, offensive rookie of the year if he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about his development and love seeing what D'Amico Ryans is doing there in Houston as well as a, as a rookie head coach. I think he's doing some really good thing, and I know Houston is excited about that. Shereen, we'll close out with this. The Cincinnati Bengals, they were a team that everyone expected to be high-flying and looking good, and they're everything but that. They're 1-3. They're not scoring very many points, and Joe Burrow's pretty banged up. Uh, how much of a panic button are the Cincinnati Bengals and their fan base hitting right now?
4: Yeah, I think it's a really big panic button. Um, they need the Ravens to, to to lose, and you know they're they're just sitting there just struggling. And it's obvious that Joe Burrow shouldn't have opened the season playing. He his back calf muscle wasn't right, and it hasn't been right, and now it's probably not going to be right for several weeks, and maybe not at all this season. And and so. I just think you're going to continue to see them struggle as long as Joe Burrow's not right. Until he gets right, if he does get right, then they have a chance. But at some point, you know, it, it is panic, and I, I think they're almost to that point where where you do hit the panic button and say, "We have to win." And I think this might be the week that you hit that and say, "This is a must win game for them. They don't win this one, then I mean, they're, you know, they play the Cardinals. I know Joe Burrow called it a must win." But, you know, you kind of really do hit the panic button if you don't win this week because you're sitting there one and four against a team that you should beat. Anytime with a good Joe Burrow, without a good Joe Burrow, you should be able to beat the Cardinals. Cowboys didn't do it. The Bengals should be able to do it. If they don't do it, then I think, you know, start getting ready for 2024 because one and four, you got a long uh, – you dug yourself a big hole and have a lot of work to do to get out of that hole.
0: Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. No doubt. You're spot on about that. It's so interesting and intriguing to see what's going on in Cincinnati, but it's all has to do with that injury to Joe Burrow and that calf. Well, Shereen, fantastic stuff as always. What are you working on with Pro Football Talk that we should be on the lookout for?
4: Oh, you know, Wednesdays are a busy day with transactions and quarterbacks talking and everything. So we got a busy day today and tonight. We'll be having posts going up all night. So join us on uh, Pro Football Talk if you get the chance.
0: You know we will. We'll be paying attention to your Twitter account at NFL Shereen as well. Thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. There she goes, the Hall of Famer, Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk again on Twitter at NFL Shereen. It's always great to pick her brain for a few minutes to scatter shoot all things NFL. And, you know, she said 1-4. Start looking forward to next season. Guess what, Raider Nation? The Raiders are 1-3. I'm not saying that, that Monday is a must win, but you got to stop the bleeding. You got to stop the hemorrhaging, right? What do you got to do? You got to grab that, uh, that, that shirt, take it off your back, wrap it around your leg, then stop the bleeding like they do, right? I mean, that's tighten it up, tighten it up. They've got to figure out how to plug the hole, how to stop the bleeding. Got to put the finger in the dam. Whatever you got to do, you've got to do if you're the silver and black. You do not want to drop to one and four on the season 345 is the time we'll take a quick break come back mitch in new jersey i see you we'll get to you plus a couple texts as we close out our number two of the show it's radio nation radio 920
4: you're listening to unnecessary
0: roughness with your boy q broadcasting live from the finley cadillac performance studio many thanks to the hall of famer Shereen williams joined us in the last segment Talked all things NFL, talked about Randy Gregory, the Cowboys and Niners. That's going to be a fantastic game this weekend. I'm looking forward to that one. Looking forward to NFL action, period. Right? And, hell, looking forward to college football action as well. Matter of fact, we're going to have the Red River rivalry on this very airwaves uh, this upcoming Saturday. That's Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, last time that they'll square up with each other in the Big 12 as they go to the SEC next year. So, I look forward to that as well. College football is fantastic. NFL fa- action is even better. <laughs> And I'm uh, ready to talk about all of it, but I want to talk with you right now about whatever's on your mind. At seven zero two three six five nine two hundred and the do dot com text line six nine one eight seven keyword RNR. This is unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Let's go out to New Jersey and talk to our guy Mitch. Mitch, welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
2: Thank hey, you. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, to me. To me, the big pack tour was having a great year. The final, you know, farewell tour here. I mean. I think the Beavers,
4: I would take their quarterback if the Raiders are there the way the season's going. And the Beavers might win more games than the Raiders. I mean compare the Raiders to the forty ers other than McCaffrey, they're all like first round picks, homegrown picks. Yeah. Look at week out other than Renfro. Everybody else is um not first round picks. And I and you know, it's just it's just a mess. And they didn't want to give um Jacob uh Josh Jacobs uh, good money. I mean, you do a good, I guess if you're Andre Peterson, you're going to be picking in 6 rounds. so you don't have to pay that much. And watch Farrell have a good year with, with, with turn his career around with the 49ers. Thanks for taking my uh, negative Nancy call. All, right, <laughs> all
0: go. good, all good Mitch. Know. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I expect Clee to play pretty well for the 49ers because he's got a lot of talent that you just mentioned around him. That, all that first-round talent on the, off- or on the defensive line, yeah. He's going to play pretty good. Right, I mean, his expectations—he's not expected to be the guy. When the Raiders drafted a number four overall, what was everybody expecting? He's got to be the guy to replace Khalil Mack. He's got to be the guy to replace Khalil Mack. It's not going to happen, right? Not with him. I was the wrong guy. There were guys that they could have selected that maybe the expectations would have—you know—been a little bit more fitting. He just wasn't him. Now he's in San Francisco and he's got an opportunity to go out there and and shine with the team that is very talented defensively. And you're right about the the, the first round talent. They've got so many dudes along that defensive line that are former first-round picks, right, to the point where they've let guys go. They've traded guys, right? Remember DeForest Buckner used to be a part of the 49ers. He's in Indy, right? I know they went out and made the the free agent move for Hargrave from Philadelphia to fill that void that left by DeForest Buckner. But they've got so much talent on that defensive line. Like Nick Bosa is really good, but he doesn't have to be that guy every single week. They got Eric Armstead on that, that defensive line. I mean, they, they got dudes. Hell, remember they had Solomon Thomas at one point, a first-round pick. They let him go. And obviously it was a good decision. <laughs> There's just so many guys. Their whole defense starts up front. And, again, going back to what the Raiders are trying to do with Dave Ziegler and company, they're trying to do the same thing, have that defense, have everything start up front. Could you imagine how stinking good Max could be if he had half the talent on that uh, as the 49ers defensive line? Whoa boy. I wouldn't I wouldn't hold anything against Max. I'd say Max is gonna is capable of doing anything that any of those cats could do. Like Raider Nation always wants to compare him and Nick Bosa because their numbers are similar, you know, came in at the same time, this, that, and the other. Uh, Bosa, in my opinion, has had a bigger impact. But also he's got a better team around him. Could you imagine for one stinking minute, if Max had half the talent that Nick Bosa has around him, what he'd be able to do? Defensively, that would be wild. Coming up at the top of the hour, Paloma Villacana from Fox Five Sports. She'll join the show. She'll talk all things Aces, talk all things UNLV, and also talk about the one million dollar donation that the Raiders gave to UNLV. They have their Al Davis room. And matter of fact, Mark Davis and Sandra Douglas Morgan spoke at UNLV yesterday and talked about what he was expecting, what he wanted that $1 million dollar donation to mean
2: what I want this to stand for, what I want the people that come into this room, the young men and women that come into this room to understand that, my father had a lot of slogans, but some of them were pride and poise. And I want the people that come into this room to understand that they take pride in the organization that they represent, and that is UNLV, but also that's on and off the field. Poise, when things are not going great or whatever, you stick to it and you make it happen. There's other statements that he made, commitment to excellence. And that commitment to excellence is on and off the field. And I want these young men and women that come through this building to take that motto as well. And then finally, just win, just win baby. And that's on and off the field as well. And so I feel uh, very proud to have my father's name up there and hopefully it'll make a difference in these people's lives and uh, The last thing he would say is that the greatness of the Raiders is in its future, and today I want to say that the greatness of UNLV is in its future on and off the field.
0: Raiders owner Mark Davis, uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan, the president, was right next to him as they donated a million dollars to UNLV, unveiled the Al Davis team room uh, at the Fertitta Football Complex. And I know right now a lot of Raider Nation is like, I don't want to hear anything from him, and I don't want to hear about just win, baby. I don't want to hear about pride and poise. I don't want to hear about commitment to excellence. While the football team is one and three. The one thing I'll say, not cutting for him, not trying to have his back, but the fact that he's him and the team is supporting the youth, even if it's collegiate youth, I can respect the hell out of that. I think that that's a big deal. That's just me. Paloma Villacana joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on lvsportsnetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.